Now, uh, sometimes you'll get a full piece that needs to be split. So I prefer to drill those holes first and then split the handles uh, into two scales. More often than not, if you buy a kit, you're going to get scales that are already split. You just, and that's why I'm suggesting you tape the two pieces of scales together. And that's what I'm recommending for you now is that it would be better for you to get two piece, two scales rather than get one handle and have to have some sort of saw that you have to cut. And and uh, and if you make an error, then wow, you're out handles and now you got to come up with other handles. Now, I will go ahead and say, and, and again, just, just so we're clear, that's step five. No, I'm sorry. That's step four. Looking at my list here. That's step four is getting the handle right. One of the things that I did just to make knives that I really liked and had meaning to me is the first couple knives I ever built when I was a real, man, I was just a young teenager, probably 13 years old. I built a couple of knives that I still use to this day for a lot of game processing. And uh, all that's going to change now that I've got my shame and ease. But but uh, up for, for many, many years, I utilized those knives for game processing. And I just went out to the barn on the farm. Now, I lived on a farm, and I had access to just old barn wood and stuff of that nature. And I found an old piece of firewood, you know, that we were going to burn for firewood. And that's what I made my handles from. Now, I use a belt sander, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I have the ability to, you know, have a belt sander. It's one piece that I would highly recommend if you buy something to help you with building knives. I would go with a belt sander long before I get a drill press or something like that. So, and, and that way, those handles that I still have today and are still going strong, and I'm 50 years old now, and those, again, what is that? 37 years or something like that, 37, 38 years ago, I built. They're still holding strong with exactly the the process that I'm describing to you now. And now, number five, make sure the surfaces of the handle, steel, and scales are free of any dust or similar debris. So as you've scratched up and, and put sandpaper to the handle material, and if you've had to cut the scales or you've purchased them, sometimes handle material will come with wax on it, and that keeps it from splitting out. And sometimes handle material will come soaked, incredibly soaked with wood, and that makes the epoxy not want to stay really well to it. So most good kit builders will ensure that the portion that's going to go against the steel of the knife does not have oil on it. So you want to make sure of that. You want to get any debris that's on there because you because you want that epoxy to stick to it uh, really well. Now, number six, and again, I'm I'm going off page 35 in my book, Ultimate Wilderness Gear. You can cover this, and and I'm adding a whole lot to this here than what I have in the book. But um, yeah, there you go. So number six is gather everything together and apply the epoxy to both the knife handle and the scales. Now place all the pieces together, including the pins. So we didn't talk about pins that much, but typically what I use for pins is nails. And you, some kits will come with pins that you utilize, but I've just always used just good old nails uh, that fit. And uh, if I needed pins to be a little bigger, I bought bigger nails and I drilled holes in the handle of the blade and the handles, uh, the actual handle, the wooden handle or antlered handle portion of the knife. Uh, I've just made bigger holes and I made the nails fit because that might be the nail that I have at the time. And... So no matter what it is, you're going to gather all that up. Now, when you put this epoxy on, I like to get that epoxy that is quick drying 
And when I say quick drying is it dries mostly to the touch in, in less than an hour. Okay. And there's just a hundred different kinds. And I, I, I've used Gorilla Glue in the last few years and they make these, uh, and I can't remember the exact term for this, but where you mix two substances together and once it mixes, it makes a much harder epoxy or glue. And, and I really am not up on the terms on my glue and epoxy. And some of you purists out there would go, oh my gosh, I can't believe he doesn't know that. Well, I'll say this again. I used wood glue on the knives that I built back when I was 13, and the handles are still there. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things, man. I don't, I don't get too hardcore on some stuff, and that's just one of them. But, yeah, put that epoxy on, put the pins in, and then usually what I'll do at that point, and this is step seven, is just clamp everything together. And I want to make sure that everything makes good contact if, if you've done a uh, subpar performance of drilling the holes, maybe there's going to be some uh, pushback and the handles will want to come away from the blade. You've got you've to put the handle uh, material onto the blade and you've got to clamp it down. Now, I've done this before where maybe I'll stick it in a vise and it's only pushing that portion that's in the vise together and it might separate it up the top just because of the angle of the material. So I like to get C-clamps, put them directly on the center of the handle so that top and bottom, rear and front of the handle material adheres directly to the metal of the knife itself. Um, number eight, step eight, is once the epoxy is dry, cut the excess handle material from the blade with an, you know, an exacto type knife or something of that nature. I cut all the glue off. Sometimes I'll go ahead and cut with a uh, small saw some of the excess wood because I'm getting ready to start sanding everything down. Um, and, and what I'll then do is, is start the process of filing with a wood file if I don't have um, a electric machinery to be able to do this. If I have a belt sander, which I do. Um, well, the first few that I built, I didn't have that. So I just did everything, every single part of it by hand. And quite frankly, there's a lot of value in that. Again, you're you're getting that tactile improvement, kinesthetic improvement in your hand dexterity, which is a useful thing to have in anything that you're going to engage in in survival and outdoors. And then uh, the belt sander is just saving you some time, really. Uh, it's not saving you and helping you develop skill, though. So you choose what is best for you and uh, take it from there. But it's up to you. You know, this is a really important part when you're sanding to to make sure that that blade is covered in tape. And particularly if you're using a belt sander, because if something happens, something weird happens, and you make one small mistake and it flies out of your hand, you do not want that flying out of your hand and sticking into your arm, into your leg, into your face, into your neck, or something of that nature. You want it covered up. So I make sure that I have plenty of tape on it when I do this. Um, so in step nine, and when the handle is complete, apply liberal amounts, liberal amounts of linseed oil to help preserve the wood. I do this uh, simply by wiping it on with a, a cloth and letting it sit in a warm spot, like taking it outside and putting it in the sun if it's warm. Or if it's, uh, if it's the winter, I build a lot of stuff in the winter. I might have a heater in my garage, uh, and I'll just leave it on for a while and let that sit. Because basically what that does is it opens up the pores of the wood, if you will, and it allows that linseed oil to soak down in there and helps preserve it. And that's another trick. Not really a trick. It's just a method 
that these two knives, and I, I mean, I, when I'm saying these two knives I keep talking about that I made when I was a teenager, those things, I've got about seven, eight bucks in those things, and I've been utilizing them since that time. And the key was when I first built them, I put this linseed oil on them, and uh, it's helped preserve them for that long, and they're, and they're just they're still cutting like champs. So now number 10, uh, if you prefer, and this is totally optional really, you may want to finish the handle with some sort of wood stain. Uh, you know, I usually put something on it that helps protect it, but I like a clear finish, and I don't like my, my knives to shine. I don't want uh, sun to hit on the handle or the blade of my knife, for that matter. That's why I keep it in a sheath when I'm out, because that might attract attention of whatever it is that I'm trying to hide from. So, yeah, there it is. Yep, you got it. Ten steps to you building your own very inexpensive knife. I looked before I started this podcast, and you can get kits from any number of different suppliers. The ones that I keep talking about, uh, I got Green River Blanks, and basically they're just blades that are already just, you know, stamped out. I mean, they're incredibly cheap. I mean, they're about 20 bucks. Uh, I have many, many years ago, I bought about 20 of them and have just kept them in in one of my toolboxes. And I looked at them the other day, and one of the, I bought all of them. They were all about seven bucks. Now those same blades, pretty much the same exact blade right now, is about twenty bucks. So that'll tell you how long I've had them. But that's it. You'll you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of this, I think. And then you can take that knife and start doing your bushcraft, your survival training. And uh, there's just a lot of value in that. And there's a it there's a lot of value in you building a knife and then giving it to someone. And and uh, they'll appreciate that. You'll like that, and they can use it for whatever they want to. Usually, I'll just give you an idea. What usually what I do is I've made a few knives for people, and I don't want to assume that they like it when I give it to them. Okay, and so one of the things that I do is I tell them, "Hey, if if this doesn't suit you, then just stick it in the kitchen cabinet and use it in the kitchen." And that way they can still get use out of it, but it might not be the knife that they need for bushcrafting and survival and stuff of that nature. And that way uh, they don't hurt my feelings and they actually get a tool Then they know that I put a lot of effort into. And they get to use it and they get to use it in a, such a way that it doesn't detract from their proper survival training. If, if, if in particular they don't like them. But yeah, man, I, I highly recommend building your own knife for yourself or giving them away. And you can do this for 20, 30 bucks. They make fantastic Christmas gifts to so just get on Google and do uh, pre-made knife building kits or something like that. And you'll find exactly what you need. So thanks for all your support. Appreciate you. Pick up the tiny survival guides. Pick up my books, if you will. Uh, Keep listening in on the Survival Show podcast. Join us on the websites, tinysurvival.com. There is uh, survivalshow.com. All these places are just fantastic ways that you can continue to support what it is that we're doing here at the Survival Show podcast. And we appreciate it. And, yeah, I'm excited to be back. So, Join me again tomorrow or the next day or whenever Ben and David get this these put up for part two. And part two, what I'm going to be going over is some stuff as it relates to axis. Keep it simple. Be positive. Stay sharp. It's 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Survival Show podcast. I'm Craig Cottle. Digging into my solo adventure into manly musings. Thanks for joining me. Glad you are here. Hey, I told you last week that I'm back. And when I say I'm back, baby, I am back. Ready to rock and roll. I say that today as I prepped information for this podcast. It not turned. It didn't turn into a podcast. It turned into not one podcast, but two podcasts, and then it's going to end up being three podcasts by the time I'm done with it. What I wanted to do is I got to thinking, man, I haven't really dug into any gear type podcast in a while for the Survival Show podcast, so I wanted to dig into that a little bit today. So thanks for joining me. Hey, if you want to follow along with some a small portion of what I'm going to go over, then pick up my book Ultimate Wilderness Gear, my second book be frank and honest and transparent with you that book just did not sell well and it's a shame because it is a fantastic book it uh i think people looked at that book and thought man that's a buyer's guide i'll just pick up a magazine and this book is anything but a buyer's guide yeah it talks about some uh gear for sure but the thing that i go into are the details like different types of insulation in jackets and sleeping bags and stuff that go along with it and why you should choose this one over that one and I've got all kinds of stories with my experience over you know nearly 50 years of playing in the outdoors to uh, to bank on and you can learn from both my my wonderful wonderful achievements as well as my wonderful wonderful failures that I've learned from and you can uh, you can gain from that and not make some of the same mistakes that I made. So anyway, pick up Ultimate Wilderness Gear. So what I'm going to do is uh, I've got three podcasts, I think, because I want to talk about gear, but I want to break these up. First one, I'm going to talk about some things as they relate to knives, and it's probably not going to be what you think it is. So hang in there. I'm going to do that here on podcast one. Then come back for part two. And in part two, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over some things that relate to axes because we hardly ever talk about axes on the Survival Podcast, and that's a mistake. And we should talk about uh, large cutting tools, particularly for those of us that live in mixed hardwood forest areas of the world. And uh, I'll discuss why it's important. If you don't understand what I mean by that, I'll discuss that as well in part two. And then part three, I'm going to talk about one of the most invaluable pieces of equipment that anybody can take, whether you're a backpacker, a hunter, or a survivalist, or bushcrafter, one of the most invaluable pieces of equipment you can take in part three that really, more often than not, just gets overlooked. So yeah, thanks for joining me here for part one. Come back for part two and part three whenever and wherever Dave and producer Ben throw it up there. So thanks for joining me. As it relates to knives, what I wanted to get into was not knife handles, not knife grinds, not knife uh, tips and points and and coatings and sheaths and all the stuff that go along with it. What I want to do is I want to go over what I refer to as the 10 simple steps to building your own knife. And I, I think this is incredibly valuable. As many of you all well know, I just came out with my first knife design. It was built by 
LT Wright, Handcrafted Knives, fantastic people up there. I love the knife. It's performing incredibly well. We've sold a bunch of them. We'll be selling a bunch more of them. Excited about it. But what I also like to encourage people to do is build things with their own hands. And so what I want to go through is some 10 simple steps here that will help you build your first knife. And I'm not talking about a hand-forged knife. I'm not talking about you've got to grind something out because you really don't know how to heat temper and all that stuff. What I want to do is help you find and build a knife from kit pieces and then encourage you, obviously, to go out with that knife and do stuff with it. Uh, there's incredible value for all of us to work with our hands. It it helps us with, with creative problem solving. It helps us get tactical, tactile improvement in how we utilize our hands and how we utilize our bodies. You know, if we're doing incredibly hard work, uh, which building a knife is not incredibly physically demanding for your typical person. Now, knife makers out there that build knives all day long, it's an incredibly, incredibly um, um hard job i mean just just the simple fact of building knives all day long is is an incredibly tough job and i don't want to discredit them those of you who are full-time knife makers but for those of us who are just hobbyists if you will who just want to make our first blade and have something that we can you know clean up some fish with maybe cut up some squirrels uh, do some light bush crafting and stuff of that nature this is what i'm going to go over today so Again, as I mentioned, the first thing I suggest doing is just get a kit. And you can get kits from all sorts of places. Just look up on Google search a knife kit. And there's anything from um, professional knife builders that have kits. I know LT Wright has a knife building class up at their shop. And you can get into that in Ohio if you're in the area. Uh, if you're not in the area, then go anyway. Because, I mean, that place is fantastic and the people are fantastic. First things first, what you need to do is you choose a blade and a handle style that you like. And that's the beauty of a kit is that there's several different kit makers out there and you can go about finding the thing that works for you. And one of the first things I recommend you do is when you get your kit in is I would take the opportunity to cover the blade, the sharp side and the tip with tape. I typically do that with uh, the first layer that I'll cover it with is painter's tape because it sticks and then it comes off rather easily. So I'll put that on the blade and then I'll then cover it with duct tape. And that way, if in the process of working on a knife it slips, it doesn't actually cut me. It doesn't dig into me. And I can handle it without the concern of, and, and not that I'm not safe with it. I'm not saying I'm not safe with it. But as you're building a knife and working on it, sometimes the sharp edge is going to have to be near and close, if not directly on your body and your hands in particular. And sometimes we just want to make sure, not sometimes, all the time, we want to make sure that we're safe while that's happening. So that's the first thing I would recommend. Uh, for me, I think, uh, as a preference, I would choose a wood-handled kit for my first knife. I would forego micarta, although I'm a huge fan of micarta and I'm a huge fan of antler. Uh, I would I would definitely go with wood because there's so many different options and you can get different patterns and make it uh, more attractive to your eye. And if you want to show it off to people, you can make it attractive enough that you can show it off to people. Secondly, step two in these 10 steps is I like to just basically take some sandpaper to the interior portion of the handle. 
and that's going to be the part that's covered with the wood or the micarta or whatever it is you actually end up choosing. And the reason I'm doing this is that it'll help the epoxy adhere to that particular surface. And I'm not saying I rough it up incredibly terribly bad. I just rough it up enough that makes it um, such that if you looked at it real close, like under a, a lens or something of that nature, you could actually see some of the grooves. To the naked eye, you just see that it looks like scratches, but this helps some of that epoxy to adhere to it. Next thing I'm going to do in step three is I want you to go through and mark the pinning holes on the handle and drill into that handle at 90 degrees. Now, what I usually do is I'll just take the actual handle I'll set it up where the end that's going to be closest to the sharp side of the blade is where I want it. And then I'll take a um, marker and then I'll mark like a Sharpie marker and then I'll mark on the handle itself uh, directly on it. Now, keep in mind as you do this, because this can be uh, dependent upon how many tools you have. Uh, this can be problematic if you don't do this step right. So make sure that you're drilling directly in the, or I'm marking directly in the center of that hole because that's where you're going to want that drill bit to go. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is you're basically marking the inside of the handle. And so as you do this, if you have a drill press, drill press it doesn't really matter because you're just going to drill a 90-degree hole to it. But if you're like me and you don't have a drill press and you're just trying to put a knife together, then you're going to have to do it by hand with a, with a hand drill and so if you don't get these holes straight then it causes problems as we continue to move forward and get it pinned so the big thing there is uh, typically what I'll do is I will actually take a handle that are split and I will tape them together to where I can continue to work on them best I can so that I can hold that straight put that the actual blade and, and when I say blade I'm talking about a full tang uh, kit is what I recommend then lay that directly on the handles and then mark directly center of those holes. And as you continue to, to move forward, then you know that as you drill 90 degrees that the handle is going to be exactly where it needs to be on top of the blade.